0: welcome to another episode of tequila she wrote a podcast about cocktails and true crime i'm trish your bartender and crime tender for this week and if you've been on our socials you know that sloan is out because of a little fur family emergency one of her fur babies had some back issues and he is on the mend he's doing a lot better than what he was But if you check out our socials, you'll definitely see a post or two about that. But we didn't want you to go without an episode from us for two weeks. So I decided that I would do a little episode for you just to get you your little true crime fix. And today we are actually doing the murderer, um, Stephen Port. He is also known as the Grinder Killer. He is based out of England, so this will be our first international, I guess, case you could say, and with it being Pride Month, I just felt like, you know, maybe do an episode based on the, you know, some of the horrible crimes that have been done to our LGBTQ plus community, and yeah. Yeah. I guess with that being said, well, if you don't know too much about Steven, maybe you'll learn some things today and we will kick you off to the episode. <laughs> Welcome to another round of drinks with, again, Trish, your bartender for today. And I have been on a beer kick, and I don't know why. I do still love my cocktails. You could definitely catch me with a margarita anytime I am invited to have margaritas, or I just feel like I want a margarita. (laughs) But I have really been on a beer kick, and I blame it on the fact that I now work at a liquor store, and we are very heavily focused on beer, Wine and liquor, so I have to be able to talk beers with people, so I'm always trying different ones. And this one is from Westbrook Brewing Company, it is based out of South Carolina. And I've had a few of their beers, and for the most part, I've loved every single one. Again, I'm not a beer connoisseur, so when I say for the most part, it's just because it's. Pr- I've tried ones that they're not my normal beer styles that I go towards, so I wasn't big on them. But that being said, my, my beer style I usually go with are, you know, sours, wheat beers, porters, stouts, like I'm kind of a mix of things. But this one is their Lemon Meringue Pie. It's a sour ale. So yeah, like I said, I like my sours. So it is a sour ale with lemon, milk sugar, cinnamon, graham crackers, and Madagascar vanilla. And when I tell you this beer is so good, Mm. it starts out tart. And you know how we love our tart drinks here. (laughs) It starts out tart from that lemon, and then you get the little sugar bit of it, and that gives you your meringue taste, and then it fades into that graham cracker crust taste. It's so good. It is. Mm. Now, this beer is only 4% ABV, so it's not a very high alcohol content, but it's still, if you would sit and drink a few of these, it'll get the job done. Like I said, I love it. Some people might think it's like a dessert beer, but I think it could really be drank anytime. I would definitely, on like a hot day, love to sit by like the pool or just kind of sit around talking with friends and drink a few of these. Highly recommend if you can get your hands on it. And yeah, with that being said, we're going to kick you off to the episode. All right. So like I said, we are going to be doing our story today on Stephen Port, the Grinder Killer. But before I get into that, I wanted to give you a little pup date about Fitz, Sloan's dog, which is why Sloan is not here today. She's still taking time to be with her fur baby and gain back, gain used to the new kind of normal for the time being while he's healing. He is doing a lot better than when he was first taken to the vet. He has a few bulged discs in his back so it's very painful and he is a bigger dog so you know he's got a lot extra little weight to carry around so he's just been kind of keeping a little profile he is starting to feel better so he's trying to be more like up and mobile even though he's supposed to be on bed rest but he's i will say when i was there on monday he was not yelping as much as he was prior so I feel like he is doing a lot better. I'm not going to speak too much on it just because I only see him for a little bit of time. So Sloan can definitely give a much better update the next episode. But just wanted to let you know that he is on the mend and we appreciate all the prayers and thoughts and everything you've been sending his way and our way. It doesn't go unnoticed. And if you, this is the first time you're hearing about it, we have definitely posted that on our socials. They're all Tequila She Wrote, so you can definitely go check it out yourself. And like I said, I just wanted to kind of touch on that before we jumped into today's episode. So moving on from that, we will jump in and here on Tequila She Wrote, we are definitely big allies of the LGBTQ plus community. So first off, want to wish everybody a happy pride month. It is if you are not aware it is pride month. So happy pride, everybody. And for today's case, it's our first international case, but it's also a case that really affected. And I think really brought to light for those that kind of have their head in the sand The horrible crimes that are, you know, happen to this community all the time. And I think what made it worse is the fact that it was someone from their own community inflicting this pain. So, like I said, this is the Stephen Port grinder killer, um, like, murders, I guess, is what you However, you want to say this. We'll cut that. So without any, without further ado, this is Stephen Port, the grinder killer. So to start out, Port was born in South End on Sea in Essex. He was born February 22nd, 1975, when they were when he was a year old, his family moved to Dagenham, Dagenham, I think is how it's said. Sorry, I'm not the greatest with the English um, cities as much as I love England. I have I'm terrible at pronouncing a lot of these names, but we're going to say it's pronounced Dagenham in East London. And that's where he grew up and his parents still live to this day. He was described as a loner and was often bullied at school during his childhood. And this came from his sister, Sharon. So I'm highly like inclined to believe that this is the case. And I mean, it would explain a lot of things. His teachers said he was quiet and his neighbor described him as having a particular childlike personality. He exhibited odd behavior as a grown man like playing with children's toys. So, already kind of creepy. After leaving school at 16, he went to art college, but it was too expensive for a for his parents. So he spent two years training as a chef. So a huge shift. I don't know how someone goes from art to like being a chef, but whatever. In his mid twenties, he came out as gay. And according to his sister, his mother took this news very badly. So this is probably a big trigger for him. A former partner said their relationship ended due to his childish, childish personality. So, again, probably another little trigger for him. He lived with his parents until about his mid-30s, which he then lived alone in a flat in Barking, London, Again, sorry if I butchered that. I am so sorry. I probably should have asked someone how to say these. He worked as a chef at a stage coast, a stagecoach bus depot in West Ham. He briefly made an appearance on Master Chef too, which is crazy. Son, you can't be coming in here yelling. I'm sorry if you're hearing my cat is. <laughs> Sloane's got two dogs. I have two cats. My one cat is very vocal, and he wants all my attention right now. <laughs> so, like I said, he made an appearance on Master Chef, which is crazy. I will definitely have to see if I can find that episode <laughs> to watch just because. Uh, how many like murderers and that have we seen on TV? And we don't even realize it at the time. So at the time of his murders. He was described as having an athletic appearance due to him regularly going to the gym. So it's not like he was, like, catfishing these people. He was actually, like, in really good shape, apparently. He was bald, though, and he hid it publicly by wearing a blonde toupee... And this was a professionally placed piece, so he had so much confidence, and this gave him the confidence to meet these men. On June 19, 2004, at 4.18 a.m., emergency services received an anonymous call saying a young boy looked like he'd collapsed on the street and barking. When police and ambulance arrived, they found the boy dead. The call had been made by Port. And the boy's body was found outside Port's house. So, sir, you're not making yourself look that great. In a witness statement, Port had said he returned home to find 23-year-old Anthony Walgate in the street and had tried to wake him before calling an ambulance. Anthony was a fashion student originally from Hall, and he occasionally worked as an escort. After further investigation, police discovered Port was lying and had hired Walgate as a sex worker. Port had reached out to Anthony, pretending to be a client, and offered £800 for his services. They later met at Barking Station. They went to Port's flat, where he was served GHB so Anthony was served GHB in a drink and was raped. He later died of a drug overdose. Port was arrested on suspicion of perverting the course of justice. Port eventually admitted to this charge and said Anthony had brought drugs with him and had stayed the night. He said that he had left Anthony in bed and panicked when he returned home and found him unconscious. He then dragged him out to the street, worried he would be implicated. So, he doesn't deny that, like, he had Anthony over. He just says, you know, it was all an innocent mistake. Like, he came over, we had sex, he brought these drugs, he into- He probably, said, like, insinuated that he had taken these drugs, and that's why he, you know, Became unconscious in that. Police also never looked at his computer at the time. And it was later revealed that if they had, police would have seen that the same day Port accessed Anthony's online escort profile. He also searched terms such as unconscious boy, drugged and raped, and guy raped and tortured young nude boy. (laughs) Like, literally... Spelled it out for them. Case closed, but no. We don't care. We just think, you know, whatever. It it just, it blows my mind. Blows my mind. Two months later, on August 28th, 2014, a dog walker found the body of 22-year-old Gabriel Kavari? In the churchyard of St. Margaret of Antioch embarking, which is actually next to Port's flat. So, this man really just kind of drugs these guys, kills them, and then just like throws them out of his house, basically. (laughs) He's not very smart. Gabriel had moved to London from Slovakia and briefly lived with Port. So, again, yet another connection to Port. But no, no, it's okay. A little more than three weeks later, the body of 21-year-old Daniel Whitworth was found in the same churchyard by the same dog walker. But this time, a suicide note was found taking responsibility for Kavari's death. This note was later found to be planted by Port probably to try to get the heat off of him. So, Daniel was from Gravesend in Kent and worked as a chef. So, <laughs> wonder what him and Stephen could relate on. Gee, I wonder. They were both chefs. Despite some bruising under Whitworth's arm, which suggested his body had been manipulated, police didn't treat either death as suspicious. Shocking. During this time, Port was actually convicted of perver- perverting the course of justice and was sentenced to eight months in prison. Upon his release in September 2015, a fourth man, Jack Taylor, who was 25, was found dead in the same churchyard as Kavari and Went in whitworth and again police didn't treat the death suspicious and instead concluded his death was a drug overdose jack lived with his parents in so jack like i said lived in dragonham with his family he worked as a forklift truck driver and what really like Makes me so angry about like all these deaths is the fact that pretty much the same MO is used and they are all like have drugs in their system, it's all like the GHB, but yet there's nothing suspicious, it's just a coincidence, it's just a bunch of you know gay men that have died. Sweep it under the rug. These police literally (laughs) should be ashamed. So it wasn't until after friends and family looked into the deaths themselves that police were actually pressured to investigate these suspicious deaths. And on October eighteenth, two 2015, Port was actually arrested. Finally. During his trial, the media coverage named him the grinder killer and this prompted other victims of ports to come forward. So this ended up adding on seven charges of rape and four of sexual assault to his four murder charges. So this man had been busy. He had been contacting these men, meeting up with them, drugging them, raping them. And these four unfortunate souls had to, had too much of, their, of the drugs that Port was giving them in their system and ended up overdosing, which is just, ugh, I'm sure it's a horrific way to die. So, Port denied all the charges against him, actually, but he was convicted and given a whole life sentence for his crimes. The judge accepted that Port's intention was only to cause harm and not kill his victims, but also said he must have foreseen the high risk of death, especially after the death of his first victim. So the judge said, yeah, sure, you probably didn't mean to kill him, but you still continue to do this. You, you knew that them dying was a possibility, but you still did this. Port's 16-month campaign of terror on Britain's LGBT plus community, gripped the community between 2014 and 2015. I would, I just, I like can't even imagine when you are just trying to live your life, you're trying to just go on dates or just hook up and that you have to like be so like afraid that you could possibly meet this psycho. Like I'm single and I've done my fair share of dating apps and that. And I know that, you know, the few times I have decided to meet up with some of these guys or talk to them, I'm literally like telling my friends, this is what's going on. This is what I know. This is what I've been able to find. I'm you best believe that the name you give me, I'm searching on socials and all that. I'm trying to make sure that you are not an ex-murderer, <laughs> but And then if I ever did meet up with someone, one, I either have a friend like tagging along that is like sitting somewhere or they have like, I have so many people that have my location know that literally send them a message whenever I get there. I never let the guy pick me up. I always meet them, but they always know where I'm going. They know what, like, kind of the game plan is and that. And I just, I always send them a text when I get there. And whenever I'm leaving, I send them a text again. So, I, like I said, the fact that this was a year, basically, this was over a year of a community feeling like, one, you always feel like you're targeted, but two, like, you don't know if the person you're meeting up with could possibly kill you. So, Port targeted victims on queer dating apps. He drugged, raped, and killed them before disposing of their bodies. There were the few that were fortunate to not get killed, but still, he did drug and rape them. So, you know... Does it really make it any better that these people survived? No, but they do live another day. Their families still get to love, like, get to see them, hug them, do all that. So it's still an unfortunate thing, but at least they did get to keep their lives. So while on these apps, he actually made up his background One time he said he graduated from Oxford and served in the Royal Navy. Another time he claimed to be a special needs teacher. (laughs) I said he wasn't catfishing, but he kind of was because he's not being truthful about himself. Port used GHB on his victims. He would serve it to them in a drink and then rape them. All four of his murder victims showed high doses of GHB in their system, but Port also used drugs such as Poppers, Viagra, Mephadrone, and Mephamphetamine. So, I'm sure some of these other drugs might have been in their system, but the GHB overdose is what killed these guys. During the investigation, and in the years since, police have actually been criticized for their handling of these crimes, as they should. For instance, with Daniel's case, the pathologist found evidence of manual handling prior to his death. Also, he had been wrapped in a bed sheet, which had not been forensically analyzed and a bottle of GBL was found near the body, and that was not tested for fingerprints or DNA as well. So, huge red flags in this investigation. It's like these police literally said, "Mm, he's a gay man, whatever, don't care. Drug overdose, cool. The Independent Office of Police Conduct said it found systemic failings in relation to the case, but that none of the 17 officers involved faced further action for misconduct, which is complete bullshit. You go to the police for help and they, it's like they said, fuck you to this whole community, to the family, to the friends, everybody. Like they just said, don't care, move on. It's fine. You will get over it. And it's like ugh, so. It's just it's so heartbreaking. But that is pretty much my case. I want to keep it a kind of short and sweet one. And like I said, I don't have Sloan here, so I don't have like somebody bounce back off. We can't. We don't get on tangents, which <laughs> I don't know if you guys like, but. That, that's what happens a lot of the time. We get on tangents and we just kind of bounce back and forth off of each other. But that's what makes podcasting what it is. Like I said, I figured this case was a very... I don't want to say good case, but it was a, a case that I felt like, you know, this month probably deserves to bring awareness to, yes, it is Pride Month and we want to celebrate, but we also want you to be safe. We want you all to stay safe and, you know, put these boundaries in place and make sure that people know who you're talking to, who you're meeting up with, you know, they know where you're going on these dates or meeting people and that, and you're just being safe. And yes, this is about a like specific community but this really relates to anybody that is dating it's scary to date nowadays I don't want you to sit back and think like you have to hide but also I want you to be safe we want you to be safe and with that being said I'm going to kick you off be sure to check us out I'm pretty sure next week we'll have our normal so be on the lookout for that But yeah, with that being said, I'm going to kick you off and we'll see you next time. All right, for this last call, I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but I really wish Sloan was here with me because we have both been completely obsessed with this court proceeding since it was televised. We've been keeping up with it via TikTok and that, so I'm sure maybe we're getting a little biased information. But we're also watching, like, the court TV, like, feeds and that. But I'm talking about the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard defamation case that just wrapped up. As the time I'm recording this, it wrapped up Wednesday. And, oh... I'm so happy with the outcome of that. I am so happy that the court ruled in favor of Johnny Depp because even without hearing the recordings that Amber tried to throw in as evidence that she was the abused and all the pictures and like the bruises that she claimed to have, so it, something never sat right with me. I I always felt that you know there was something missing. And after hearing the recordings and that, and seeing the pictures, the faked pictures and everything allegedly, fake pictures I should say, but after seeing these pictures. And just hearing her stories and how nothing seemed to line up with like even the people that they brought in to testify for her. I feel that sure, Johnny may not be perfect. Sure, maybe one point he did, you know, lose his temper, whatnot, but if you listen, it feels like he was the provoked and he was the abused, not the abuser. So Media is trying to spin this as media and Amber are trying to spin this as a huge setback for women everywhere. But he, wake up. Here's the thing women are not the only ones that are abused. Men can be abused too. And Johnny has proven that. If you think about it, anytime a celebrity goes to court or you know has these allegations, you know, thrown about about him or them people come out of the woodwork there are usually for one claim of abuse or cheating 20 more like come out of the woodwork johnny for six years has been called a wife beater an abuser not a single person besides Amber has come forward saying that he abused them. And to me, that speaks volumes, volumes. And then as you hear these court proceedings, it's just crazy to me. And I'm, like I said, I'm, I know I'm excited. I know Sloan was very excited that the court ruled in favor of Johnny, because like we said, we definitely believe him that he is the abused, not the abuser, And justice for Johnny Depp. Because he has lived through six years of hell. He has lost pirates. He technically lost the Harry Potter role. But also he said he was stepping down. So I feel like that one's kind of up in the air. But still. This has definitely affected his career. And not Amber's. But now... This is definitely going to affect Amber's career, but it's her own fault. She got on those stands. She lied. And that, to me, that is the huge setback for the Me Too movement. We went from having, you know, the ones that were the people that were abused, finally being her, finally being taken seriously. And then she wants to use that movement to further her own Like advancement and whatnot, presence, I guess, in the celebrity world. And that to me is so disgusting. That is the setback. And that's going to make people now question are these victims, you know, telling the truth? Is she the first one to probably do this? No. But. She's the one that made it so public and that and Johnny finally said he'd had enough and I don't blame him. So like I said didn't think this was going to be a very long last call and I know we normally try to keep things light and funny but with this being such a big thing I wouldn't just talk about it. I'm sure me and Sloan will bring it up sometime but we are both team Johnny on this we're both so happy that Johnny finally got his justice and maybe maybe he can go on living his life and you know we'll start seeing him in movies again I believe that Beetlejuice 2 was announced and he's supposed to be in it and I'm excited for that I want to see if he gets more roles I just I'm excited to start seeing Johnny Depp in the public eye again Like, I have loved Johnny for years, and he's just, he's such a sweet man. And you could see it in how he treated his team, how he treated everyone in court. Like, him and the little person that does the uh, typing of, like, what's being said and done in, like, the court. I forget what they're called, but, like, they were, it was so sweet to see him, like, Kind of having conversations with, with her, and then even the the like sheriff and that he just was so genuine with them, and he bought breakfast for his like for the people that were waiting to get into the courtroom like some mornings. It's just like, and then you heard the stories of how he let Amber's friends and some of his friends stay in his penthouses rent free. Like, this man is, like, the sweetest soul. And I feel like he doesn't have a bad bone in his body. He has had his traumas. And like I said, sure, when he was doing drugs and drinking as much as he was, sure, maybe he lost his temper and stuff. But she definitely gave it back. And she was caught on tape saying that she hit him. And you cannot convince me that she did not cut off his finger that literally from the time I heard that story. And then like the, I was like, she did it. She did it. And so, yeah. With that being said, again, going to kick you off. Like I said, me and Sloan will probably talk about this some other time, but I just wanted to get on here while it was still fresh in everybody's minds and also let you know that here on Tequila She Wrote, we are Team Johnny, so justice for Johnny. And again, happy Pride Month to you all. Check us out every Tuesday, Tuesday and Fridays. And check out our socials. They're all Tequila She Wrote. Send us an email if you're liking what you hear, if you have any suggestions for cases, cocktails, anything like that. Tequila she Wrote at gmail.com. We have our Patreon, Tequila She Wrote. I think the easiest way to find that is do Tequila She Wrote back. It's like, I forget, Sloan's usually here to go through this, but I know that if you go to our socials and you see our link tree, you can click on that, and it'll send you, a, it'll, if you click on the Patreon thing, it'll basically direct you straight to it, so there's that, um, I'm trying to think, again, I don't have Sloan here, so this is, I'm trying to do all this off the top of my head and I don't have my my second brain cell (laughs) but yeah again catch us next time hopefully it will be a normal episode with Sloan so I won't have these struggle bus moments but I mean it's the hot mess express for a reason so catch us next time (laughs) we love you all bye (laughs)